Hello, I am Marina Sprocky Spriggs, and I'm the host of Always Another Way podcast. I have a master's in professional counseling. I am the Ippy Award-winning author of Stop Looking for a Husband, Find the Love of Your Life, and Nasty Divorce, A Kid's Eye View. I have been writing positive divorce advice for the HuffPost since 2012, and I'm trained in clinical hypnosis. And this podcast speaks to out-of-the-box thinkers, and it's for those who hear the call of hope and always another way. And if you're very rigid and set in your beliefs, this is probably not your cup of tea. However, you should note, taste can, and do change. And today, I am going to talk about breaking the silence on domestic violence. I'm going to have another guest on next week on November 2nd to talk about her story. But today I wanted to open up because it's been almost 20 years um, to the date that I got out of an abusive relationship. And um, I want to tell you how that happened because I know with um, the most recent news about believing her or not believing her, um, there's, there's a lot of people questioning why people stay in certain relationships that are abusive. And if you look up the statistics, you will know that if you're worried about um, immigrants or anybody else causing violence, you can forget that because actually women in this country should be more fearful of their domestic partners killing them than anybody coming in from outside the country. And that's a statistical fact. So how does it happen? And, um, you know, there is a book called Why Does He Do That by Lundy Bancroft. And I highly recommend anyone who has ever been in any type of abusive situation. And abuse is not just physical marks. Abuse is about power and control. There are many people living in this world under a house or with someone who has not lifted one finger to touch them, but indeed is abusing them. So look up the power and control wheel. You can just Google that and see what that's about. So I was 25 years old. I went to the Ohio State University, and um, so this is obviously after college. I was at a football game, and this guy comes up to me, uh, John Schooler, and he's like, oh my gosh, I, Marina, I've asked you out like all four years of college. I've called you. I've, you know, you've given me your phone number and then you, I'll call you and you won't go out with me. Like, what's the deal? And he was, he was like super charming. And so I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, why didn't I go out with you? Well, then he goes on to, you know, you are such a beautiful girl. I've always, I saw you and I was like, this is the girl I'm going to marry. And you're just so beautiful. And so he lays it on. We're probably drinking. It's at a football game. But of course, I'm just like super flattered. Like, oh my God, this guy's liked me for four years. Never in my head did I say, well, Marina, maybe you turned him down for a reason. No, I was like, this is super flattering. So he's like, you have to go out with me tonight. I was like, I can't. I'm babysitting a friend. He's like, you're not babysitting. He's like, you have to go out with me. So insisting that I do something. But of course, I'm like, so flattering. Okay, I'll make it work. So I babysit my friend. I go out with him. We have a great time. And I found a, um, a story that I wrote right after this happened. So maybe I was 27, like a little bit removed from it. 
And I'm just going to read you a little bit of it because this is better than my memory so many years ago. So he whined me and dined me, told me how beautiful I was, told me again and again how he'd always knew we would be together. He bought me clothes, a cell phone, a bike. I lived in his beautiful house. And he told me he loved me every day. And what could be better than that? I do everything for you, he said. And you know, um, before I begin, here's the truth about domestic violence. There's no woman that goes on a first date with somebody that calls her a fat bitch and then throws a cup of water in her face that she goes out with again, because that's not how it happens. These people know exactly what they are doing. That's a fact. So anyways, his kind, caring side, um, and he had, it was a very successful business, like came, you know, was, you know, grew up poor, but like started this exterior modeling company, was very successful. Um, he paid for his little sister to go, to go to college. He gave money to charity. People liked this dude. I mean, and he was, he was funny. He was charismatic. Um, but he was also a little boy that had been hurt and he wanted to be a strong member in the church. And, um, you know, what could be wrong with him? So... Here's what happened. It wasn't him. It was me. So the first six months, it was amazing. But after that, everything I did before I met him was wrong. You eat junk food, Marina. No food with fat in the house. No butter, no snacks. You're like a skinny obese person, he told me one day. You have toothpick arms and legs and a fat tummy. Well, gosh, you must be right. And I couldn't look in the mirror for years after that without seeing a belly. And uh, the truth is, I'm about 5'4", and at the time, I think I weighed like 110 pounds. Um, I'd always been in pretty good shape, but you know, I like beer, had a little tummy. Um, it didn't bother me, but evidently it bothered him, and he spared no expense telling me about that. And then um, he would also call me up every day at work to ask me what I, what I was eating. What did you eat today? And if I said anything but like a salad, he would remind me again about my appearance. So then I got in this little program where just like in my own defiance, I'd go get McDonald's and tell him I ate a salad just because it was easier that way. And what's fucked up about that is why would you even be in a relationship where you're doing shit like that? And that's what just upsets me about it is just the lying. And I felt like, oh, I'm the liar. I knew what he wanted to hear, and I told it to him. I lied about what I ate, whether or not I smoked cigarettes, how long I worked out. I lied about my past. How many boyfriends did I have? How many people have I slept with? Because, you know, if it was any more than him, that was too many. Um, so um, at the very beginning, I think I made the mistake of telling him the truth about what I did. And this is the thing about people that are abusive. Everybody has things that they're not proud of, but abusive people will take those things, remember them, and use them against you. Have you ever done drugs, he asked? Yeah. Did you ever do anything else I wanted to know? Well, you know, Marina, people that do drugs have something wrong with them. You know, Marina, people that drink like that have something wrong with them. What's wrong with you, Marina? What's wrong with you that you're doing that stuff? So it was always, you have no self-esteem, Marina. People who do things like that have major problems. You have major problems, Marina. Decided to tell me that a lot. He was very unforgiving. But yet, 
he would come back and buy me something or take me out to dinner and new cell phone, Marina, let's go shopping, Marina. And uh, I don't know if I'll get to this yet, but his favorite phrase was, so if I were to complain about this, like, hey, John, that's really not nice. Like, why are you talking to me that way? Oh, what are you, the victim? Oh, you're the victim, Marina. Oh, you can't take it. You're the victim. So uh, as this relationship progressed, obviously, yeah, I kept dating this guy. The put-downs became worse and worse. So not only did he attack me, then he began to isolate me, attack my friends and family. And then as we begin to talk about marriage, which, you know, when you're in your 20s and you're a girl, you're kind of thinking about that. Um, so first he would talk about, oh, we're going to get married and we're going to do this. And then in the next sentence, you know, I don't know if I could marry you. You know, somebody with all your past problems and the things that you've done, um, you know, and your parents are divorced. So that means you're going to end up getting a divorce, Marina. You know, why would I marry you if we're going to get a divorce? And then he would hang my parents' divorce over his head. And then he said, well, you know, um, yeah, whatever went on in your parents' marriage, that's what's going to happen in ours. So there was nothing wrong with his family, mind you. It was just mine and my friends. And of course, um, would pick apart every one of my friends. They sucked. They didn't care about me. Um, so, oh, then he would um, also um, take my future of having children over his head. Like, how could I have children with somebody who's used drugs, Marina? What's that going to be like? Our children are going to be messed up because of stuff that you've done. And your friends are losers. Your best girlfriend cheated on her boyfriend. Is that the type of person you hang around? So I couldn't go a day without this douche telling me what a horrible person I was on the daily, how horrible my family was and how horrible my friends were. And I couldn't go out with him because what kind of girl goes out to the bars without her husband or boyfriend? And this was in 98, not 1920 or 30 or wherever people had those attitudes. He says, girls only go out to bars to pick up men. So in the beginning, I could go out with my friends, but then I couldn't because if I did go out with my friends, when I came back, it would be a verbal attack. Who were you out with? Did you talk to any boys? I know you did. You have to be home by 10. So I just stopped going out with my friends because it was easier that way. Um, so John, of course, was exempt from all the rules. He could have girls that were just friends, and he had one girlfriend in particular. They just happened to date eight years prior to me dating, and he would like to hold that over my head, would tell me, oh, she's calling me and telling me how much she loves me and she wants to get back together with me. And um, he would like to rub it in my face, insist that they were just friends. He'd say, we have a history together. I can't just not talk to her. She has a lot of problems. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd say, well, doesn't she have other friends that she could call? But no, he said, Marina, you're so sensitive. You're sensitive and you're the victim and would just go back with that line. So um, one time I looked at his phone bill and I would find that he called her number at 2 a.m. on any night that I had a fight and went to my parents' house. And then if I would show him the phone bill, he would say, Marina, you're so insecure. She lives in Georgia and we live in Ohio. Do you think I'm making a booty call to a girl in Georgia? You're so insecure. And why are you looking at the phone bill? Well, because I live with you and we pay the bills. So, uh, yeah, John was a funny guy. Um, he had that kind of sense of humor where you cut other people down to be funny. I don't know if you know people like that. Um, and then, uh, 
just remembered this now that I read it. He had this little joke where he would snap his fingers and whistle like a dog for me. And it might have been funny the first time. I don't really recall. But every time he would whistle and snap, he would want me to come. And I told him, I don't like it when you do that to me. It makes me feel like a dog, and I don't want people to think you treat me that way. And he says, who cares what other people think? It's a joke, and you can't take a joke, Marina. You're such a baby. So um, we couldn't go out and drink together. And obviously, your self-esteem is shattered when you're with somebody like this. And what's so confusing, now that I'm just listing all the bad things, because I'm not listing anything good that happened. When you're with somebody like this, they're not all just relentless. They come back at you. And they have this inability to turn on the sniffles, Brett Kavanaugh style and the charm. And I'm just a hurt little boy who likes beer. That kind of stuff. So uh, get you that way. Maybe not with the beer. But kind of that little, you know, I'm just an innocent little victim. And you're just so mean to me, Marina. So um, let's see. Oh, yeah. Uh, we would come home in a fight about who knows what. Maybe a guy looked at me, um, or heaven forbid, I talked to a man he didn't know. He would take my clothes out of the closet, throw them downstairs. Then I would pack up my car and drive to my parents' house. The next day he would call. I would apologize and move back in. I moved in and moved out about 10 times that year. And it's funny how you start to not trust yourself because before I met him, I was fine. I really didn't have those problems. I was happy. I had many friends. I was very confident. I went out all the time. I talked to whoever I wanted to. I worked out, ate what I want. And then suddenly I became this person who couldn't do a thing without consulting him. And it's not like I didn't know what was going on. I did. I knew. I felt every time he said something like that, it didn't feel good. But if you, you know, have grown up with any insecurities, which everybody has, and somebody hits on those, then maybe there's a little part of you that says, you know, maybe I'm not worthy of that. Maybe nobody will like me because this has happened to me. And it just reinforces that. So, um, you know, I, I, I knew the relationship sucked. I knew it was bad, but I did not know how to get out. I could not see a way. I just couldn't. And I don't know if it was shame of having to tell people that I let somebody treat me like this. When really, just so we know, if you're in a relationship like that, it's not you, it's them. 100%. Because you're not the abuser, they are. And there's nothing you can do that warrants abuse. Abusive people are abusive. They don't have anger management problems. They have abuse problems. They don't have addiction problems, or maybe they do, but they have abuse problems. So don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. So now I want to tell you the good part of the story, which I call a true story about angels. Because sometimes you'll have somebody come in your life that you've never seen before. And this is the day. So it's, um, oh my gosh, yeah, it is almost 20 years to the day. It was Halloween. And my girlfriend had wanted us to meet her out at this big club. And so I live in Columbus. So I was living in Columbus, Ohio at the time. And at a certain point, you go to these bars enough and you're like, you see the same people out. So you kind of know everybody. Um, John didn't want to go, so I just, you know, I, I pushed him to go. So he ended up coming out, and as soon as we walked in, I was greeted by girlfriends. 
And I said, let me remind you, we live in a small enough town where you know just about everybody. And if you don't, you've certainly seen them at some point. So a few minutes into my conversation with the girls, this super hot dude comes up to me and hands me a bunch of balloons and says, happy Halloween. And I say, thank you. And then he just turns and leaves. So John is furious. He's like, who was that? He demands. And I answer, honestly, I'm like, I don't know. And I'm, I do not know. Some guy just came up and handed me balloons. Um, but he says, people do not go up to girls and give them balloons without knowing them. So he huffs away and then tears begin to well up and I have to excuse myself to the ladies room. And as I wait in line, balloon man comes out of the bathroom, grabs my left hand and touches my engagement ring. That's too bad, he says, and walks by. And I'm completely mesmerized because here's a guy who does not know me, who has treated me nicer than the person that I'm supposed to marry in a one instant at a bar. So um, anyways, as the night goes on, John's getting tired and he wants to leave. And this is just to show you the mentality of a dude like this. So um, that morning he'd got up, he raced mountain bikes and he'd got up at six o'clock really early and raced mountain bikes. And it was late at that time. So if you were to tell normal people like, hey, I got up early, I wanna go home, everybody'd be like, okay, cool. Well, not John. So in his crazy thinking, um, you know, I tell everybody, oh, John got up early. That's why we're leaving. So on our way out, he is just lambasting me. Why the hell did you tell these people that? Now they think I'm a dick and I'm making you leave and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, uh, or just like normal people, you got up at six and we're leaving. But he couldn't see that. So he's yelling and screaming at me the whole way in the car, talking about this guy, just going off. So then we go home. Oh, yeah. He tells me I'm not on his team. I'm a bitch. Um, then he drills in on balloon man. Who is he? Why am I lying to him? Have I been with this guy before? So then when we get home, he tells me I have to sleep in the guest room. Then he starts to argue that I'm turning into my dad and cheating on him. And by the end of the night, I'm in tears. <laughs> and then, um, uh, and I think we were like banging on doors, like something completely inappropriate and out of my character, but I'm banging on a door, like hitting, pounding stuff to talk to somebody who's abusing me. But then in my head, I'm just like, oh, hot, dreamy balloon, man. I bet he wouldn't treat me that way. And, you know, that's crazy in and of itself. So anyways, we'll get to the better part of the angel story. So the next day, we wake up without talking. We both go to work. And then um, later in the afternoon, my girlfriend asked her to go to happy out with her. So I had to ask John for permission. And for some reason, I got a yes. He had something to do. So we go out to this bar. And... Um, sitting down and all of a sudden it's this dude again and he comes up to me and he's like hey I saw you at Ludlow's the other night and I'm like oh my gosh and then I begin to tell him I'm like you're the guy that gave me those balloons and oh you wouldn't believe what happened I got in this huge fight with my fiance and just go on and on and this guy's looking at me and he's like wow he's like that's really crazy he's like um yeah I would never treat a girl like that and let me just tell you about my last girlfriend and just just goes on about how like he was so excited to have her home and love to do things together, but love that she was an independent spirit and just everything he said was nothing like what I'd experienced. So, um, anyways, he gives me a card and he's like, Hey, you know, call me sometime and he leaves. And so I'm thinking about it and I look at Amy and I'm like, Oh shit. Like if I have this card, I'm going to be in some serious trouble. So, but I'm, you know, just like, Oh, I went out with somebody like that, you know? And uh, so I go and I throw the card away and sit back down again and we talk. And then maybe a few minutes later, I'm like, okay, time's up. I got to go. You know, it's whatever 
time, you know, I'm going to expire if I'm out. So I start to walk out and this guy comes back in again. His name is Kevin. He was the savior. And he says, I just wanted to give you this again. And gives me his card once again. And it says, call me, I'm crazy about you. And at that time, you know, I guess that's just what I wanted is somebody to say that and not that you suck, Marina, you're a skinny fat person, you're, you know, worthless, you don't deserve this, all those things that are not nice. And so I got home and I just wrote a list of everything that John had ever said to me in my life and was like, why would you even want to be with somebody that you say these things to? Marina, you're just picking out like things that I just, they're just things that I said when I was mad. That's not all the stuff I get for you. Look at all the things I buy for you. Look what I do for you. On and on and on and on and on. And then I don't know what it was, but I finally saw him for who he was. This little shitty controlling person that had no game in town, but to prey on somebody's weakness, a woman reel her in and make her feel like shit. And I'm telling you, that's a calculated choice. He knew exactly what he's doing. And if you read that book by Lundy Bancroft, Why Do Men Do That? Or Why Does He Do That? Inside the Minds of Angry and Controlling Men. You'll know that it's about his attitudes and beliefs. He is just an abusive person. And that's the end of the story. Then, oh, for the finale, this is just probably a shining moment of his. And this is the truth about people that leave any kind of domestic violence situation. And granted, maybe there's a little pushy shovey, but you know, it was mostly verbal. So he, um, oh, you know, in the realms of like, we need to go to a pastor counselor because I have issues to get back. So we do maybe a little drama that finally leave. And he says, Marina, I just want to see you one last time. Will you just meet me one last time? Warning, don't ever do it. So I do, we get in the car and I just tell him, no, you know, I don't want to get back to you. You got to go. You got to go. And he grabs my hand. He takes my picky fingers, pulling it all the way back. He's like, I'm going to break your finger, Marina. And I go, you little break my fucking finger, dude. Break my finger and see what a strong man you are. And just stared him down. And he left. So, you know. There's people like that in this world that you are not going to be suspecting of. And nobody tells women to look for this because they don't start out bad. Start out telling me I'm the most beautiful girl he's ever seen, like liked me for four years, wanted to go out with me, wanted to marry me, the girl of his dreams. So you hear that first and then it turns into something else. So I'm here to tell you if you're in any kind of situation where there is somebody who makes you feel like crap, that is not the person to be around. They do not have your back. And that is not what people do that love people. We all get angry. We all get frustrated. But we all have control over what we do with that anger. And I've had bad things happen to me, and I don't turn around and abuse others. So the excuse that you were abused doesn't work. So if you have an abuse problem, you need to seek some help. If you're in any kind of abusive situation, even if there is not a mark left on your body, I'm here to tell you it is not your fault. 
it's not your fault even if you've been with that person for 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 or more years. These people are pros. They're calculated at what they do. And you can get away. But I urge you to seek resources because it is when you try to leave abusive people is when they come back extra hard. So you have to be very, very careful of that. So I just wanted to share that story because for a long time I carried the shame of it's me, but it's not me. It was him. And you know, there's always another way. <laughs>